I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Two for T.O. in Montreal. The Toronto Maple Leafs will return home with a 3-1 series advantage over the Montreal Canadiens. After a 4-0 victory on Tuesday night, it's the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast. Justin Cuthbert back with you. So the Maple Leafs can advance to the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs for the first time since 2004 with a win over Montreal on Thursday night. And they have that opportunity, in large part, thanks to Alex Galchenyuk. Yes, the former third overall selection of the Montreal Canadiens continues to torment the fan base uh, a little bit more. Uh, with a masterful performance by his standards, at least on Tuesday night, adding an empty net goal to a pair of sublime assists, really the offensive catalyst for Toronto in the game. And that third overall talent, well, it was on display with those dishes, one to William Nylander and the other to Jason Spezza. The first goal and the a part of a three-goal outburst in the second period uh, for the Maple Leafs, who seem to be making their pe- or that period rather their own. Uh, just a beautiful offensive play. He stayed on side, and the Maple Leafs dissected the transition defense from Montreal. Kerfoot passing it to Galchenyuk, who sent a showtime feed through, not through his legs, but a no-look backhand feed onto the stick of William Nylander, uh, who shoveled it in. And then a few minutes later, the Leafs and Galchenyuk struck again in transition, with Galchenyuk floating a gorgeous saucer feed to Jason Spezza at the back door for a read redirection in front of the net and then as I mentioned the game ended fittingly uh, Galchenyuk hitting the empty net uh, after actually a multiple t- attempts from the Leafs uh, and failures honestly from those who are just not having quite as much of an offensive impact at least of, of late with Austin Matthews getting denied by Corey Perry and Zach Hyman missing in spectacular fashion um, but that was a Fitting reward because Alex Galchenyuk was the main reason the Leafs got going uh, offensively in Game 4. And he definitely deserved to bag his first three-point effort in the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's a good thing that I'm not a coach because I don't think I would have had Alex Galchenyuk in the lineup uh, uh, in Game 4. But kudos to the coaching staff and for Galchenyuk for such a massive performance. It's not like there was too many other options. Uh, but I was thinking after Wayne Simmons had such a big game in Game 3, he might be uh, the one that gets bumped up with uh, Adam Brooks coming in. We learned about Adam Brooks playing before we knew who the scratches were going to be. So I thought there was a, uh, there was a chance that Alex Galchenyuk was coming out after what wasn't a great Game 3 from him. Uh, but again, he was the catalyst for the Leafs in this game. It was a sleepy start for them, but they ended up doing what they've been doing in this series, which is coming, um, you know, 
going uh, coming or breaking out rather offensively in the second period, and in game four they did that on the back of Alex Galchenyuk. He's been, or at least in this game, a crucial part of the secondary scoring, which has been a crucial part of the Leafs' success through four games. Uh, it's been critical that the Maple Leafs get goals from lower down in the lineup because the top line really hasn't hit its stride. I mean, Matthews had that one massive game in Game 2, a huge, huge moment for this team in these playoffs, clearly uh, trying to bounce back from the John Tavares injury and the loss in Game 1. Uh, but Matthews didn't have the same success since the series moved to Montreal. Mitch Marner's not really on track offensively. He doesn't have a goal yet in the series. And Zach Hyman isn't quite himself yet either, it seems. And the third line for the Maple Leafs is simply not built to score goals. So that leaves the Leafs with the second and fourth line having to do a job. And in Montreal, through the back-to-back games that we've seen here on Monday and Tuesday, those two lines have carried the load offensively. Those lines consist of who we've already talked about, Nylander, Galchenyuk, and also on that second line, Kerfoot, and then Jason Spezza and Joe Thornton on that fourth line. And in Montreal, five of the six goals scored over two nights uh, were from those players, and those five players have 12 total points. I guess you could quibble with the idea that Nylander is a secondary scorer, but playing with Kerfoot and Galchenyuk, he's being asked to lift secondary scorers, uh, true secondary scorers on this team. And with the way the Leafs are arranged, they've stacked their top unit with their two best offensive players and their best facilitator. And those three players are drawing the most difficult matchups with a lot of Phil Deneau, a lot of Shea Weber, and a lot of Ben Sherratt. So it's a lot is on the shoulders of William Nylander, Alexander Kerfoot, and Alex Galchenyuk, plus the fourth and third lines to get the job done. And so far, that second line has been huge. Uh, but no player has been bigger than William Nylander. Uh, he continues probably to be the Leafs' best skater overall. He's got goals in all four games to begin the playoffs. As many goals as the entire Montreal squad through four games, and maybe he wasn't as strong uh, in Game 4 as he was at least in Game 3, but he's been invaluable, obviously, for this team. He's actually one goal away in Game 5 from a... Somewhat dubious record, but a cool record nonetheless, which is uh, the goal streak to begin a postseason or at least a postseason series. With one more, he will tie Gordy Drillen, and that's a hell of a name, uh, who did it many moons ago. But William Nylander going for five goals in five consecutive games to start the playoffs. A lot of uncles around the GTA are having trouble dealing with that. Um, But yeah, the top line, I think we should stay there for just a moment. And I don't want to excuse them for um, what was a, a bit of an, uh, not an up and down, uh, you know, stint in Montreal here, um, but not maybe the offensive showing that they thought uh, maybe that they were going to need or they were going to have. Uh, they, as I mentioned, they are seeing the most difficult matchups. I mean, Matthews saw 11 and a half minutes against Phil Deneau and over 11 minutes of Sherratt and Weber as well. The shots and the scoring chances are coming for those three, Matthews, Marner, and Hyman, but maybe not quite in abundance as it normally would be or of the highest quality, but they are playing a lot in the offensive zone, and that's important when you're playing you know, the top opposition defenders. At least you're making them work, and if you can turn this into a game of attrition, then eventually you'll probably get that break breakthrough, rather. Um, but it still seems that things are a little bit off with Hyman and Marner in particular, and Matthews maybe just you know feeling the effects of that a little bit, but the, the job is more difficult for them right now, and as the series shifts back to Toronto here, 
they're going to have the benefit of last change, and maybe Sheldon Keefe can open things up a little bit more for that group who uh, I don't want to say needs to get going because the Leafs are pretty, looks like they're free and clear here, up 3-1, to one, and you like the buffer zone that you have, but if they're going to get as far as they think they can get, they're certainly going to need that top line to be firing on all cylinders. As for Montreal, the struggles are not limited to one line for this team. You know, in the end, if you look at this game and if you look at the entire balance of the two games in Montreal, at least the the shots and the scoring chances, it's all pretty even. But the Habs just cannot manufacture the same sor- sort of opportunities that we've seen the Leafs produce and capitalize on. There's just a collective inability to produce reasonably strong scoring looks, and despite the the confidence that Carey Price seems to have, or at least is saying he has, uh, this is a real difference in the series, is the fact that Montreal just can't produce the same quality of scoring chances and therefore goals as the Maple Leafs. You have less opportunities to take, uh, you know, take your chances, and uh, right now it's just a numbers game with the Maple Leafs getting a little bit more and turning those opportunities into goals and the differences in these games, at least three of the four games so far. I will say, though, I think the Leafs have done a little bit of a better job defensively, at least since that game one disappointment. Um, They've really cut down on Montreal's opportunities from a transition standpoint. And if Montreal was going to hurt the Leafs, offensively at least, that's probably how they were going to do it. They've just been, the Maple Leafs, more defensively responsible uh, in the offensive areas. You're playing better defense when you have the puck, and that makes it really difficult for Montreal to break through because they're just not going to... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Win those, enough of those one-on-one battles or there's, they're, they're not going to outskill Toronto in the offensive zone or create in those half-court sets like Toronto can. Uh, they just don't have that talent. The goals are going to come in transition, and they've exclusively come in transition in this series for them, and the Leafs have keyed in on that, it seems, and they're making things a little bit more difficult. We're not seeing those huge rushes from Josh Anderson. We're not seeing Paul Byron cause a problem for them offensively, at least maybe with shorthanded chances. Like They've just been a little bit more protective of the puck when they have the puck, and that's made things a little bit more difficult for Montreal to get going. That said, they're producing enough shots in the series to be competitive, Uh, but the difference is that Jack Campbell has just been up to the task. He's been able to handle basically everything that should be in his control. Uh, He didn't want to say that he's out-dueling Carey Price, and I don't want to say that he's out-dueling Carey Price, 
but he's handling everything Montreal can muster. He's just in control, and that's really all the Maple Leafs can ask for, especially on the second half of a back-to-back. He's just saving He's just stopping all the shots that are within his control, and he's not being asked or ha- being had to, or being charged with doing more. And if he gets to the point where he has to do more than that, maybe the Leafs are in trouble. But if they can keep the the load to what it is right now, I, I, there's no reason to believe that Jack Campbell cannot handle it. 114 shots in the series so far from Montreal, and Jack Campbell has stopped. 110 of those the really the only goal that you didn't like is the Nick Suzuki goal in game three which momentarily tied it but I don't really think you can blame him on the other three uh if the Leafs did anything better in this game or at least if there was a a a bigger difference from game three it's probably the fact that they did a little bit better a little bit of a better job um protecting their lead I mean they did get out attempted 28 to 10 in the third period but Certainly the chances were less dangerous. There was less scrambling. There was just a little bit more comfort, it seems. It seemed at least to be protecting a three-goal lead rather than a one-goal lead. I think both of these experiences are important moving forward because you know what it looks and what it feels like and you have tape when you're only up one goal and you're not playing sound defensively. And then you have the good things that worked when you were up three goals and playing with a little bit more comfort and with the lessons of having just barely protected the one goal lead a couple nights earlier. So you can sort of look back at how these situations have unfolded, but we've seen the same situation sort of play out over the last two games, which is the Leafs pour it on in periods one and two, get that lead, they go into the third intermission, and they're trying to figure out what the best formula is in the in period three. A little bit better tonight, uh, but still not perfect. I, I think you would like to be at least handling or, you know, grabbing more of a share of the total shots and attempts rather than just accepting everything coming your way. You want to be able to provide resistance with offense, and I don't think the Le- Leafs have fully done that just yet. Big news coming in uh, to the game were the lineup changes, and they were more profound with the Maple Leafs than they were with Montreal, despite the Maple Leafs getting the victory in Game 3. Um, Sheldon Keefe announced before the game that both Adam Brooks and Travis Dermott would come in, but did not reveal who would come out, so that caused a little bit of speculation, and I thought maybe Alex Galchenyuk wouldn't play. But Riley Nash came out. I, I think that probably does make the most sense, really, because Riley Nash is still trying to find his footing with the Leafs. He's only played a couple of games. He's only been recently healthy and, and available to play because he was... Uh, purchased while on LTIR, stashed away until the playoffs started, and uh, unveiled. And it hasn't worked maybe to the degree that they thought, uh, but he needs to get reps if he's going to be a factor. So I thought maybe they would sneak him in on that fourth line just so he could see a little bit more ice. But they wanted to get Adam Brooks in, and if Brooks was coming in, it only made sense that he played on the fourth line with Jason Spezza and Joe Thornton because he had so much success in the regular season there. Only played a couple games, but that they it was clear that those three had chemistry. So Adam Brooks coming in, you, you like to think that he was coming in to play that role, and I think he played that role very well again on uh Tuesday night, and he might get the chance moving forward. I don't know if the Maple Leafs will make any changes, uh, even if Nick Foligno is healthy, just because of how well they seem to mix the lines uh, in this game. 
As for the defense, maybe the more shocking of the two moves uh, was the fact that Travis Dermott was coming in just to get reps, it seemed, over Rasmus Sandin, who had huge moments in the series so far, some regrettable moments in the series so far. And maybe we were sort of inflating his five-on-five play a little bit as people sort of looked back and wondered why this was happening. Uh, And maybe they just wanted Rasmus Sandin to check things out from the press box while they were getting Travis Dermott some reps because... You probably believe that Travis Dermott's going to play a pretty significant role if the Leafs are going to go on a long run because it's just unlikely that you're going to stay healthy. So getting Travis Dermott in, second half of a back-to-back, maybe that all made sense or at least more sense than it did at the time. Um, Looking forward now, I mean, the Leafs are obviously going to have a chance to eliminate the Canadians in Game 5 on Thursday night. And I think the big question will be, if Nick Felino is healthy enough to play, he's missed the last two games with, I believe, a lower body injury, something that's just sort of nagging. But if he's ready, the guy who was supposed to take John Tavares' spot at second line center and hold that until Tavares came back, I don't even know if he's got a spot in the lineup right now. Like, I don't think you're breaking up the second line with Nylander, Kerfoot, and Galchenyuk having such a master, masterful performance in Game 4. Certainly, I don't think you're booting Alexander Kerfoot who has played that or filled those shoes admirably in the last two games, certainly um, just playing probably the best hockey of his entire career with the Maple Leafs. Uh, He's just been tremendous in that partnership with William Nylander. And I'm not getting rid of him to put Nick Foligno in who still doesn't have enough reps with this team to be at his uh, optimized performance. So I I don't, I think that's out of the question that Foligno takes the second line center position back I'm also not sure you want to mess with what's been a fairly impenetrable third-line checking unit with Engvall, Mikheyev, and Simmons. Maybe Simmons drops back down to the fourth line and you fit Felino in there. But I think the the two um, more realistic options is that Felino replaces Adam Brooks and plays with Joe Thornton and um, Jason Spezza, or Nick Felino bumps up to the top line with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, perhaps to try and, uh, you know, shock a little life into that partnership between the best two players on the team, or at least the leading offensive guys. And then you drop Hyman into the third line because he's a low maintenance guy and he's going to give you honest minutes wherever he plays. And he won't, you know, mess up the, uh, the chemistry on that third line. If anything, he'll probably help. Uh, just continue to be a line that funnels the puck in the right direction and it doesn't let anything happen against them defensively. So I could see a scenario where Felino is with the top two guys if he's healthy. The second line stays as it is because it's been just feasting on its matchup and doing so well. The third line a little bit retooled, but still the same concept. And then you get the Greybeards back on that fourth line as it started with Thornton, Spezza, and Wayne Simmons uh, taking Adam Brooks out. I I feel like that's the most reasonable um, situation if Felino is ready to come back. But again, we haven't really been able to predict exactly what Sheldon Keefe is going to do. So it will be interesting to see what route he takes. Um, Shout out to Kevin Papetti for this. Uh, But the last time the Leafs won a playoff round or playoff series was in 2004. It was against the Ottawa Senators and Jason Spezza was on the losing end. He was in his first year way back when. So that tells you how long it's been and sort of how things are becoming full circle for uh, Jason Spezza. Uh, it's a pretty cool story that he'll maybe get a chance to be a part of the, the, the next series win on Thursday night if the Maple Leafs can handle or take care of business rather 
uh, on home ice at Scotiabank Arena. We will see what happens in that game four. I will. Uh, I think I'll have Julian back to talk about that then, but it might be a solo effort. But either way, uh, we'll chat about the Maple Leafs' potential elimination game five and then what that means with the Winnipeg Jets waiting in the wings after their four-game sweep over the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, the other game on Tuesday night, the Predators and Hurricanes. Um, the Carolina Hurricanes won that, survived finally in overtime. They got a victory in overtime in their third straight appearance in overtime versus Nashville, who made it very difficult on them so far. But with a 3-2 win, they now have a 3-2 advantage in the series, and they will go back to Nashville to try and close things out. I didn't see much of the game because I was, you know, there on the same time and I was focused on the Leafs, but I did tune in in time to see Marty Nakash score his second of the game on a beautiful wraparound. That's what forced overtime. And then in overtime, it was just the makeup calls were in full effect, like just the the referees being involved as much as possible. And I, they were kind of forced into their involvement a little bit because the Carolina Hurricanes were just asking to take a penalty with Nashville swarming them on the forecheck. They eventually take one after just an egregious egregious hold from Brady Shea. But then be, you could tell they didn't want to call a penalty. So the first opportunity to call one against Nashville, they do. An interference call evens things up. And right away, Jordan Stahl scores on the four-on-four. He's been an absolute monster for Carolina through five games. He's got four goals and five points in the series. Now has an OT winner to go along with a two-goal two performance in game one. Uh, again, it's been really, it's, it's been a fascinating series because UC Saros has been so good for Nashville in that net. It is lopsided, it seems, but maybe not as lopsided as we thought. So, you know, there's still one more victory for Carolina to get done to move on. It's what we all expected, but this Nashville team, man, they've been pesky. I, I think I heard on the broadcast that they have as much as 12 rookies in the lineup. 12 rookies on a playoff team. And most of them aren't, these aren't name brand guys. These aren't guys that are, uh, challenging Kirill Kaprizov for the Calder Trophy. These are just, this is just a new wave of like regular talent coming up the pipeline for Nashville. So what a job John Hines has done to use a group that's almost 50% rookies to push a team as good as the Carolina Hurricanes. I know UC Saros is maybe as big of a deal or as big of a reason as anything that this is going to six games and that Nashville's still in it, but credit Hines for doing what he's doing with 12 rookies, and also a group that, at least up front of veterans, who just don't pull their weight in terms of what they earn. So uh, an interesting situation playing out there, but I think after the pre- or after the Carolina Hurricanes avoided a third consecutive overtime loss that things might settle down and they'll be able to get that victory in Nashville finally. Um, I will be back tomorrow night to talk about a trio of elimination, elimination games, a trio of game sixes in the Stanley Cup playoffs. First, the New York Islanders will look to finish things off against the Pittsburgh Penguins on home ice. Likewise, Tampa will be trying to do the same against the Florida Panthers, while Vegas will travel into Minnesota to try and eliminate the Wild. Uh, there are That is as good of a night of hockey as you could potentially uh, map out three great game sixes, and I will be back to talk about it tomorrow night I can't wait. I'll chat with you then. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.